Hi guys, welcome to Glitch in the Code. It's absolutely amazing to have Richie Allen here for the Richie Allen Show, richieallen.co.uk. Richie, we haven't spoke, I don't think we've done a Glitch in the Code for a year and a half. Um, Is that right? Wow. Yeah, it's about a year and a half. Um, I've been on your show, I've been lucky enough to be on your show and you've been more than great, uh, gracious to promote my work and I, I really appreciate it. Um, what I want to dive into straight away is... How did you knowing doing the work that you do, going back to the pe- um, the people's voice days, looking knowing what you knew? Was this a shock that all of this COVID nonsense started happening? Is was it the way it started happening? How it started happening? Because we knew something was coming, but never in my lifetime did I think it would be this quick and this fascistic, this tyrannical. I mean, how did you feel about it when it first started to roll out? Same as you, shocked. Didn't see it coming. I'd be a liar if I said I saw it coming. I remember when the government said in March, we need to lock down the country for three weeks to try and get a handle on this virus. Shocked. At that time, of course, I can honestly say I knew that it wouldn't be three weeks. I mean, that was a nonsense. It was never going to be only three weeks. But it did kind of catch me unawares, caught me out of the blue. I was a bit, I was more than a bit unwell in January. And I I put it down to a a very bad flu. It was horrendous, really. I I was in a pretty bad way. And uh, got over that. I lost a lot of weight. I didn't need to lose weight, but lost a lot. And was shaken up by it. Um, Went back to work in February. Before we knew it, we were into March and we were hearing about China and this virus. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And um, and then they announced the lockdown. And I never saw that coming. But you make a good point. Those of us that have been surrounded by writers and researchers like the ones you've mentioned, the ones you work with, David, People's Voice, Jim, Mars, rest in peace, and Jordan Maxwell and many others that I've been lucky enough to meet, John Rappaport. I've known John for years and years and years. Yeah, you knew something was coming. You knew that at the end of the decade into the the 2020s, approaching 2030, it was obviously going to become more draconian. Things were going to start moving. But Rich, uh, Richard, no, no, mate, I didn't see this. And it's it's gathering pace now, isn't it? I mean, here we are now in, what are we? We're October 13th. Mm. Last night, they announced a new three-tier system. Interestingly enough, there there's no fourth way. There's no way out of it. You're, you're permanently on the three-tier system. You're permanently in some sort of measures to fight a, a virus that is not a problem for 99.9% of people on planet Earth, that barely brushes young people. So, mate, yeah, here we are now, you know, and this has got to be the beginning of something. Is it the beginning of the end? A lot of people are very worried. Is this the beginning of the end? I hear all the time from people. And I, and I say I genuinely don't know. I believe that whatever is behind this agenda, for that, for it, for them, whatever it is, it is for them the beginning of, of the end. This is the beginning of where they want to take us, this, you know, post-human, transhumanist, uh, technocratic society that we've all come to understand now is the fourth industrial revolution, the great reset. This is certainly the beginning of it. And, um, I'm, my head's still spinning, Richard. So when, when people say, what, what should we do, Richie? I really don't know. 
But I don't believe we should we should wait for saviors. Hmm. Whether that be, I don't know. Um, I don't mean individuals. I don't mean that we shouldn't wait for individuals. Sitting around and talking about movements and freedom movements and, you know, kind of moiring yourself into this belief that something is going to happen is not, for me, the way to go forward. I think people are going to have to do things individually. I think people will have to start taking individual responsibility. But for many... That's very difficult. Sorry for knocking this. That's very difficult for many people to even begin to approach. What can What can I do? So uh, yeah, long answer there. But I I I was shocked, and uh, I'm still shocked. My head is still spinning because every day you see people with the masks. You see people arguing, and this is genuine. Every day you see people arguing with one another. If you're in the post office, if you're in the supermarket, if you're in your local shop. Um, you see more and more children now wearing the masks going to school. This is, a, to me, I'm staggered by this. Mm. You know, it was made perfectly clear that children didn't need to wear masks. And yet I'm surrounded by primary schools here in Salford. I'm surrounded by about six different schools, three or four primary schools, a couple of secondary schools. Now you're seeing the kids wearing uh, the masks. So, it, so the head is still spinning. Yeah. <laughs> That's about no, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. And I think that was the whole point in it, isn't it? The flip-flopping of it, the uh, cognitive middle ground you end up in was there a point you mentioned the children's the, the children wearing masks there was it, that for me was a point where i thought we would have least we would have stopped that and gone no that didn't happen and that's what really pissed me off if i'm honest kids wearing masks that pissed me off i thought that would draw a line under it was there a yeah. point where you thought okay this is bad but there'll be a point where it stops was there a point that you thought maybe we crossed a line again i'll i'll risk being accused of naivety here Yes, every stage of it, you think there'll be some rebellion. I mean, I've been crying on social media about businesses, chambers of commerce, business federations getting together. You know, when they came back and started to lock down the north east and the northwest again in these localized lockdowns, when these were introduced in in uh, late August, early September, I thought surely then, as businesses are beyond breaking point, you know, beyond, as businesses are basically beyond, past the point of no return in terms of their finances, their financial needs, the mountain of debt that is being heaped on them. Yeah, I thought, surely they'll come together. Surely now. You see Simon Dolan there on, on Twitter saying, I thought so as well, Richie. I thought that they would have come together and said, no, we're going to say open and damn it. And let the government do its worst. Let the local authority do its worst. Let them send the old bill around if they really want to take it that far to prevent us from, from feeding ourselves, feeding our children and our employees doing the same. But they didn't. And they're not doing it now. You've got Andy Burnham, the mayor of Greater Manchester. You've got Steve Rotherham in Liverpool, Metro Mayor. You've got the other guy, Joe Anderson. These arseholes are not asking for businesses to be allowed to reopen. They're asking for more money to pay to keep them closed. It's astonishing. And it's unsustainable. And everybody knows this. Everybody knows it. Because the government is underwriting, as Simon Dolan said to me on the show last night, the government is underwriting these loans. Meaning that when businesses go bust, the government assumes the debt to the Bank of England. But that means we do. And there's a story in the Daily Mail today. Look at the Daily Mail. I know the Daily Fail. But it's true. 
within three, four years, we could be paying an extra £1,500 a year in taxes. Not in your overall taxes, but a £1,500 specific tax a year to try and pay down the deficit for, for this madness, Richard. So, yeah, there are steps. There are measures. And I think, oh, this will be it now, surely. But no, it's like, give us more lockdown. Lisa and Andy, the shadow foreign secretary on Andrew Marr on Sunday. Give us more lockdown. Give us more lockdown. Give us more. And uh, as far as I understand this morning, Chris Whitty and Patrick Valance, the chief medical officer and chief scientific officer, respectively, those two goons have been saying, uh, we don't agree with this three-tier system. We wanted a, what do they call it? Uh, a circuit break lockdown. Those bastards wanted to lock us all back down again for a month. And people want more of it, Richard. Now, some of these people, they must have hated their jobs. I understand this. I totally get it. I worked in jobs I hated as well. I commuted as well. I remember my missus when, when we lived in London and I was going to the People's Voice studios. My missus had a 50-minute tube commute into central London. I mean, that's torture. To be stuck on a tube with people who they'd rather kill you than say hello to you, right? <laughs> I mean, horrendous, right? And, and, and of course, and people like her, you know, hey, you get to stay at home. You get to cuddle the dogs and the cats and you get to you know, prop up your computer at home. I understand why some people are loving the furlough. But those people need to wake up, Richard. Those jobs are now fantasy jobs. Yep. They're getting money from the government. They're getting a little bit from, for their employers. But in a few weeks' time, Richard, jobs are gone. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, and I said, with this furlough, working from home shit, it's all great. It's like going on holiday. You want to go on holiday, but three weeks into the holiday, you can't wait to get home. It's all good when it starts. But at a point, you'll go bloody ma- You'll go mad. You, you'll you'll yeah. be like kennel fever. I've started to get kennel fever, and I... And go out and do a bit of filming here and there, but you do. You need people. The whole point in this um, is that we should be out. They're taking away every single bit of community meeting up. They're quite yeah. clearly attacking anything to do with meeting up, sharing experiences, and there's yeah. quite a wedge between people. We've seen well, this happen in transhumanism. Oh, it's fucking it? ridiculous. Well, it's it seven people, six people, six <laughs> people inside, six people. But there's no scientific evidence to support any of that. It's absolutely fucking garbage. Oh, six people, and you can only meet up with two groups outside. And it's nonsense. There is no scientific evidence. But again, the media, the media, the media, the media, the media. Where, <clears throat> excuse me, where is the media? Where's the media demanding of these um, people, we'll call them? Demanding some hard evidence. The masks, we know full well. The World Health, World Health Organization disavowed the masks back in, back in the spring. They said the masks are pretty useless. We know this. A mask is like trying to stop a mosquito getting into a chain link fence or getting through a chain link fence. It's ridiculous. Arbitrary. So, um, and yet they, they go I, right outside my house, the bus stop, right outside the door. So I just need to look out the window now, Rich, <laughs> and, see, and see them standing there. Yeah. And P- Peter Hitchens made the, 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 the comment quite a few weeks back, which is hilarious. He said, it's a special kind of madness when you see some bloke or some woman puffing on a ciggy with a mask, moving the mask slightly to smoke the cigarette and then moving it back. This is Twilight Zone, Black Mirror stuff, mate, you know? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's complete backwards. I mean, I live in Norfolk, which is backwards at the best of times. So some of it is just like they put masks on it, really, now. It's been like this for ages here. But it really is backwards. You mentioned the media there. Now, let's get into this because 
We know the ma- we've always known that the mainstream media is full of bull- bullshit. Not, we know that. But now, what we're seeing in the alternative media, and what I mean by the alternative media, there's a level of it that's almost soft or mainstream. And I think there's also then you get to the people like us, and I put myself in that category. People, as I said, broadcasting, doing research from their conservatories, doing Ooh, it from their yeah, sheds, yeah. doing it from their spare rooms, seem to be the only journalists left. But there is some infiltration going on here. And I found out yesterday that Byline, Byline Times, the main two investors, the last two big investors, are actually connected to the great, I'm sorry, the World Economic Forum, and they're connected to. Um, the accounts on foreign relations and guys you can go check out my at rick in the wall twitter to find the links to that so this is an alternative like media that really is still funded at its core um yeah you must have seen a lot of this happening over the years doing this of this infiltration of the alternative media yeah. and the and the kind of almost a psyop in a sense i'll tell you what richard i've not seen much of that now this this again i might be accused of naivety I, I accept it's probably gone on, but I've not seen much of that. But if um, the likes of the World Economic Forum, Council on Foreign Relations, people associated with that, if they're investing in alternative media or trying to create it, it shouldn't be, even to me, it shouldn't be a huge surprise. I mean, what, 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 does, what does the elite, what does the establishment do every couple of years? It presents you with the government... And then it presents you with a so-called group of alternatives. In this country, it's Labour, the Lib Dems and the Greens. But they're not really alternatives or anything like it. It's more of the same. And yeah, I, 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 I guess as this you know, agenda unfolds, I guess, or has, as it has unfolded, it makes perfect sense to me that those controlling it have looked at, well, let's create an alternative to what we are doing. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't you do that? And as far as people who consume media, whether it's mainstream media or independent media, you have got to be just a bit clever about where you're getting, not so much where you're getting your information from. Listen to everybody by all means, but ask yourself a question every time you watch a video, every time you read an article on an alternative website, ask what was the purpose of the video or the article? What was the presenter or the writer saying? Who is the presenter? Who is the writer? Where have they come from? And what might have motivated them? And can you be absolutely sure that the information they're giving you is true? And I suppose that's the way it should have always been anyway. It should have always been like that. You know, we shouldn't have sat down and watched the BBC 10 o'clock news or the 9 o'clock news, I should say, or ITN at 10. We shouldn't have sat and watched that and taken it verbatim and taken it as fact for decades. But we did. We did. It never occurred to us until we started studying media and people, we started going to uni and started looking at it from another angle. It never occurred to us, well, what has, what has ITN got to gain by putting this story out? What stories are they not putting out? I mean, they've only got a half an hour, right? There must be lots of stuff going on. So what else is not being put out? These are questions that I began to ask myself when I was working in mainstream media. And I would ask people to be, to, to do that today. Be sceptical, be healthily sceptical of everything you watch. Don't watch everything with a chip on your shoulder, but watch it with the attitude that you need to be convinced. So I watch Glitch in a Code um, podcast 
of course. And I think you're a pretty sound bloke. But I would still approach every episode of yours I watch with the attitude, got to convince me that what I'm hearing is, is, is true and that it's genuine. Or at the very least, Richard believes it to be true when he puts it out there. And if those boxes are ticked, I'm happy enough. And we need to be a bit more circumspect. We need to be a, a little bit more, um, as I said, uh, a little bit more sceptical. And maybe treat independent media content creators with the same scorn sometimes as we would the mainstream media. What's the motivation? Why is this person doing that? What, what, what are they trying to gain out of it? Is that person, you know, inserting themselves in the story? Are they becoming the story? And uh, that's the advice I've always given people. You know, it's not a question of don't believe me, do the research. We all say that, but it's a bit of a cliche. I don't say that anymore. Don't believe me, do the research. I just say, don't believe me. Just, just don't believe it. You, you, you know, don't take it as fact. And um, measure it up against other things you're hearing and, uh, and see how you get on. Is there any signs that you think that, that are quite glaringly obvious when someone comes into the alternative media, if there is an alternative media, I don't even know what that, that really means, that, that they might be someone you want to kind of have a look into? Do they come out of nowhere? Do they suddenly have 20,000 followers on their Twitter? Do they suddenly, do you normally suddenly get big guests? And I, I've yeah. been doing this for five or six years and I really don't have a name or anything like that. I... I I'm a filmmaker, really, and I work in the background, but I've been doing this a little while. It's taken me a little while to build up 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. Do you know what I mean? Is there any glaring signs of someone that really needs to be kind of maybe looked into a little bit more? It's a good question, Richard. I, I don't know if I have the answer because some of your viewers now will, will smile wryly and they will say, Richie's full of shit. I'm probably the most... I'm probably the most well-known example of somebody who has criticized other people um but not many over the years probably five or six years i've probably had a pop at maybe three or four people over the years and i felt i couldn't help myself it certainly wasn't in any way to throw any spotlight on me or for me to demonstrate somehow that i was you know i was ethically sound and no uh, there, were, there were some egregious things happening over the years and i just piped up um, but I don't spend a lot of time looking for that sort of thing. I really don't. The examples that I went after over the years, they just landed in my lap, really. So I wouldn't be a good guy to answer that. I, I, I have no doubt that infiltration is a, is a big word. And yeah, I think, I think what happens, Richard, and I said this to you privately, I think I said it to you before as well. Things are terrible. And there is a real appetite for an alternative. For there's an appetite for people. People have an appetite to hear the alternative, but also somebody who might make some sense of it for them. And I think some people over the years, they see that as an opportunity. They see a market there. They see bewildered, confused people whom uh, have just begun to realize that something is not quite right. And that represents an opportunity. And that's where I didn't coin the phrase. The phrase was coined by some bloke in Boston 10 or 12 years ago, the truce or industrial complex, which is a real thing. And you get people, and some of them are pretty slick, and they become all of a sudden a content creator talking about these issues. But their motivation is to enrich themselves financially, but also to, it's going to sound very crass, not so much crass, but very blunt to say fame. 
There is a bit of that. Attention seeking. So you have to watch out for that. We've seen it over the years, some glaring examples of it over the years, which, um, like I said, for me, it was for, you could count on one hand how many times I ever said anything about it. And I always found the reaction of the person on the receiving end of the criticism was very telling, you know, because I don't see much criticism of me because I, I, I don't look for it. I'm sure there are people who, who don't like me. It's a subjective business. There are, there are people, a woman sent me a message the other day. She said, I can't listen to you. I can't stand the sound of your voice. And I laughed. <laughs> and I laughed. And some of my, some of my listeners were, were about to pile in on this woman. And I said, stop. What's wrong with you? She's right. Of course she's right. It's a subjective thing. It's subjective. She's absolutely right. I'd like to listen to you, but I can't listen to your bloody accent or something about me, this tone of my, no big deal. And, um, yeah, I, I, so, so so there would be criticism out there, but I wouldn't obviously be one bit burdened by it or, 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 or wound up by it. It's nice if somebody is talking about you anyway, no matter what it is they're saying. But when I did have a pop at a couple of people over the years, the reaction was very telling, you know, in terms of the response, the overwhelmingly aggressive response, play the man, not the ball kind of a thing. Like I would have said, listen, you said this and you said it to be true and I can prove you knew it to be untrue. That's not good. That's not journalism. That's the sort of thing I would do. And then they would go bananas. And some of their followers would go bananas, which I find, a, I find that to be a really interesting phenomenon. And people are so desperate to hear, to hear what they believe to be true mm. that they attach themselves to truthers because the truther is saying that which they believe themselves they need to hear it. They get a fix from the truth. It's almost like a um, junkie drug dealer thing. And to the point where the truther gets a pass for his or her for the rest of their lives. It doesn't matter what they say. Because he or she is telling me what I want to hear. One particular truther. I'm not going to mention any names today, Richard. There's no point. It's not about um, our, our chat. is not about this specifically anyway. But one particular truther went on social media and spun the most egregious horse shit ever about people getting sick at Glastonbury because of 5G. This is rubbish, Richard. I remember this. This is rubbish, right? I called it out. I mean, I went to town on it, laughed, and I said, well, this guy's got previous. But yeah, I said, watch the abuse. Now, the abuse isn't much because these people aren't half as popular as they think they are. But you get a little bit of abuse from people going, oh, he's great, all the great things he's done. I said, I don't give a fuck what he's done. He's lying. And in this business, in the business of journalism, if you are caught out one time lying to your audience or to anybody else, it is over. You don't get to apologize and come back. You are finished. Game over, Richard. Gone. Go and do something in the private sector. Because you're fucked. Can never be. Why could you be trusted ever again? You couldn't be. This is drilled into us when I, when I worked in radio, when I started in radio years ago. If you ever knowingly go to air, with a bit of information or a story that you know to be false, you are finished, gone. Your NUJ card will be taken off you. You'll never work again in journalism as long as you live. Tough shit, Paddy. Um, so I, I can be a bit hard, maybe, on one or two of these people, but they deserve it. I mean, when you do stuff like that, you know. You know. Mm. Um, but um, again, I've given a really long answer about how do you recognize them be wrong for me to say people just need not to be so not to be so seduced. We all have very strong opinions about the reset 
We really do, Richard. And it's nice when somebody who seems to be polished and seems to be able to, um, you know, professionally put together a, a video. It's nice when they say, yes, this is really happening. You know, we get, oh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not alone. Thank God, yeah, he's saying it. But don't be seduced by that. Don't be seduced by it. Just take it, you know, and move on. And that's what I, I would say about people when they're consuming independent media content. Just be a bit more savvy about it. Don't trust, blindly trust the content creator. That goes for everybody. I mean, our mutual pal, David Icke, has been saying that since the 90s. Don't come here to just sit there and smile glowingly because, oh, this is great. Uh, I, David is right and I read the books. No, be there with a healthy, skeptical attitude. Take the stuff that you think, Jesus, not sure about that. Look into it and um, learn, ultimately learn for yourself. So long answer, Rich. But So you said, as you say, you're a presenter. You're presenting the information. The information isn't about you. And that's what I try and do here. That's, I'm quite a quiet person, really, in, in my sense. And I think that's... But we do get things wrong. So when we get things wrong, we, we do... It's really hard because obviously all the information is mixed up, especially now when you've got two different narratives and you're hearing yeah. something yeah. like this Barrington declaration and then I'm getting from some other researchers sending me stuff saying a couple of people involved are involved with the nudge unit. And you're like, oh, oh well... Information's so quick right now. Yeah, do you feel is, a yeah. need to try and... <laughs> Comment on it before you even got time to digest it. No, um, what I, I, I've had an email from uh, from from Anne. I won't mention Anne's surname. She's a lovely woman um, down south. A very smart woman. She sent me an email about the Barrington Declaration as well, saying that it's been analysed by a doctor called Wagner or something like that, and he's not happy with how some of it reads. And fair enough. Good. I'd be happy to. You know, I interviewed one of the. Kuldorf, I think I interviewed Kuldorf, one of the authors of the Barrington. And uh, I did my job. I challenged him. I questioned him. I asked him about vitamin three, uh, vitamin D3. He didn't want to go there. That was fair enough. They never wanted to go there. That was OK. Uh, job done. And, and people are a bit confused saying that what these doctors want is something that's equal, not equally, but is, 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 is also just not great. You know, this focused attention. People are concerned about the focused attention aspect. The, the Barrington doctors have said, look, let 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 in vulnerable people go back to their lives and let's protect the old, the old, the seniors, the, the the ones with the comorbidities. They've called it focused protection. And maybe there is something in that. Maybe maybe it wouldn't be great for older people. Whatever this focused protection really means. I asked him to explain it to me, and he basically said to me, "Did Martin Kuldorf? Well, the way we've always looked after old people over the years when there's been a." strain of virus around that's nasty so i'm it's funny one of the things that can happen to people is they can get so wrapped up in the fact that so much of what we see is untrue so much of what we hear is nonsense that they begin to second guess everything mm. and you don't get anywhere I, do you no i mean you have to take people at face value and again, some of your viewers now will scream at the screen and say, he's naive. I would say, shut up for a minute. Listen to what I'm going to say. Give him the benefit of the doubt for the moment. What are you screaming about the Great Barrington Declaration people at the moment for? Why? Why? Let's get them back on radio shows like ours and ask them about these concerns. I'll do that. Of course I will. 100%. But in the meantime, 
They're saying, let people go back to their lives and protect the old people. Now, you want to read into the language in, in the paragraphs and all that. Fair enough. Let's ask them. But at some stage, you've got to believe somebody, even if it's only for five minutes. Yeah. With yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Otherwise, but I, again, I know people will say that big, bally bollocks. He's just being naive. Fair enough. You're entitled to your opinion. Maybe I am being naive. I asked Coldorf all the right questions. Challenged him. I put the government side of things to him. Asked him about vitamin D3. You and I know the way out of this, ultimately. We don't just abandon old people. That's what the government did back in March. Yeah. They never tested people in hospitals and they chucked them back into care homes. People with whatever the virus is, people definitely had it. Old people got very sick. No worse place than a hermetically sealed care home for anybody. Jeez, I'm 45. If I was locked into one of those places with my bronchial uh, history, I might not do well, Richard. Mm -hmm. So the government doesn't want to protect old people. We do, because we love senior citizens. We love them for everything they are, for their experience, for their compassion, for their warmth, for their patience, for their understanding, for their life knowledge. I don't want them to fucking die no more than anybody else does. But we can't live like this either. You know, I joked about it the other day, and the joke was a bit harsh. I didn't mean to, to, to be as vicious as I was. I was talking about old people with you know, hip replacements and stuff like that. And, you know, we, we, we're all, we're all, you know, giving up our lives to save poor old Bert who's 82. Uh, you know, I didn't want anybody to think that I'd be callous towards old people, not at all. But that's where we are. And I think those doctors have just said, no, this is not right. Let's try our way. Mm. And if one or two of those doctors who signed it, you know, if they have connections to, I don't know, God knows. So fair enough. Give us time to look into that. Excuse me, but for the, for the moment, thank God they're trying to put the other side out. But also people should be aware that the mainstream media has tried to hammer these people. I mean, one of the broadsheet newspapers has been going after some of these doctors for speaking to the independent media. Because obviously we in the independent media, we have some dodgy characters on. So, but, but again, if, again, if you keep second guessing everything, some people would say, oh, that's just a psyop too. Yeah, the Guardian is not really uh, going after them. So, look, give them a chance. Give them a bloody chance. You know, Hennigan has tried here in this country. Sinetra Gupta has tried. They've tried to get on 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 programs. They're not getting very much airtime. And uh, I'm just happy that some scientists and doctors and academics are saying open society back up again, protect the elderly. I'm happy they're doing that. And as if some of the, these characters are, I've got dodgy connections. Jesus, Rich, I've got dodgy connections. There's one there that'll get a lot of comments later on. <laughs> well, this he is said, I've got dodgy connections. Yeah. He's I'll a chill. I'll just repeat that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, my dodgy it, connections are all at the back of my television, by the way, and yeah. my my, uh, my internet box. A minor in my head. I think um, what you're saying now, what you've managed to do, though, is quite quite fascinating, is work in this industry that where it's just full of conspiracies without seeing a conspiracy behind every single fucking thing, which is really hard to do, isn't it? Because you, yeah. you you get addicted to the bogeyman syndrome. It's like, he's this, he's that, and you, and you research back. And as you say, everyone's connected to someone somewhere down the line. You'll get nowhere. And then people are looking for an, a perfect solution in an imperfect situation. We're not going to have a perfect solution to any of this. No. But this no. is a shit show, what's going on now. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> every time I've interviewed anybody, since I began doing these types of shows, I began doing these types of shows in Spain, 2009. 
11 years now doing this type of a show. Every time I've interviewed somebody about chemtrails, geoengineering, or about the Georgia Guidestones, or about depopulation, every single time, without fail, if I didn't get an email, I'd be disappointed. In 11 years, never fails. Somebody will email me to say, that bloke that you had on saying the chemtrails is real. He's a shill. He's in there to make us all look bad. Every single time in 11 years. Yeah. Might, might as well not interview anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Just what they really want is for me to go on the air at five o'clock and say, chemtrails is real. Depopulation is real. Here's my, here's dire straits and walk of life. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Not to speak to anybody. Just tell us what we want to hear. So people are so paranoid about infiltration and shills. I mean, I've been called a shill a million times. I just find it hilariously funny. I, I really do. Sometimes sad and tragic, but most of the time just hilariously funny, you know? Shill for who? And then I really wind them up and I say, listen, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation met me some evening in Salford in Buell Hill Park. I say, here you are, two million pounds a year to shill for us. I'd fucking take the hand off him, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I would take the shirt off his back. But I'm joking, it... of course. It's the thing, you get the shield thing. We all get the shield thing all the time. And you start looking yeah, yeah. at each other and you're like, this is fucking mad. I'll have no friends. No one will like me and I'll like no one else. It's with, I get the thing with, you work with David Icke. I don't work, I do work with David Icke here and there, but not every fucking day. I do some couple of days in his post. They're like, he lives in this and I'll, I've been to his fucking flat. I've sat in yeah. his in his tiny little um, office room filming with him. you must be a lawyer, Richard. You see, we live in a post-truth, post-fact world. It doesn't matter what the truth is. It only matters what you believe. So no, nobody's any reason to doubt you. You know, you're not, you, 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 you're, you're, um, you've been to see the house on the Isle of Wight, the, the apartment, I should say, on the Isle of Wight. You say, oh, it's not some big mansion. Um, but if you, the, the, we, we live in this paradigm. If I believe that, what tough shit, you're a liar then, Richard. You're a liar. I can call your integrity into question without any proof whatsoever. Yeah. I could just say, well, you're just a pathological liar then, because I know Ike lives in a mansion on a hill. I know he's got fucking Rottweilers at the gate and he's got a Bentley. I, I know this. It's not true, but it doesn't matter because I believe it. This is where we are. How do you, how do you counteract that? You know what you do? You just ignore it. Mm. I get it all the time as well. Oh, you propped up um, Ike for years with the lies about his finances and the lies about his house. <laughs> like, I was in his apartment. Yeah. You couldn't fucking swing a cat in there. You don't really don't start. You don't, don't start with that. Why would I lie? What's in it for me? You know? But um, I look, I blame the system. I blame the terrible things that have been happening for years. It's not just this global reset. It's everything else that's been done to people over the years. You know, the fear, the anxiety, Richard. So, no, mate, I, uh, I don't fall out with these people. I don't get angry. I I don't want to pity them because I don't think they want pity. I just try to understand them. You know, they're so screwed up. They don't know where to turn. Mm. And you know what, you know what happens, Richard? And this happens a lot in families. They find somebody they like, and David would have had this for years because he's been around longer than anybody else. And people would have found him. And he was making sense to them. And they would have fallen for him. They would have fallen in love with him. Right? In the spiritual sense. Oh, thank God this guy is saying stuff. And they get that wrapped up in David and Jim Mars and others that someday David will offer an opinion that they don't agree with, Richard. Yeah. They just fucking explode then. They explode. It's like, what? That bastard. He's a shill. Hang on a second. He, he just said something that you disagree with. 
you've been following him for years or reading him and so on. And I see that through my own show. You know, um, when when Trump ran for president, I was I was absolutely on my own in the independent media in, in terms of daily live radio shows. I was the only guy calling Trump out for what he was. The only one. All the abuse from people who had previously been very fond of what they were hearing on the radio show. But I didn't agree with him. I think David had something similar. David was given an address to a group of people in Los Angeles when, oh. <laughs> when Obama was running for president. And of course, David, there must be quite a few black people in the audience. David stood up there and of course said what you'd expect him to say. Don't expect this guy, Obama, to be any different. He's just another rotten apple from the barrel. Half the people started walking out of the auditorium in Los Angeles. And he's standing there. What the fuck did I say? And this is it. You know, we've, we, have become, we have become incapable now of, of dealing with hearing things we don't like. And if we invest our time in people and we listen to people and we put them on a pedestal, and this is why we should never put anybody on a pedestal, then when they do something we disagree with, well, we just want to destroy them. We want to shoot them down. Instead of thinking, Jesus, that's a bit strange. I wonder why Richard Willett thinks that now. I normally see things the way he sees them. Jesus, he must have a reason. I'll have a look into it. No, the easy answer is, he's sold out. <laughs> well, you come and see, I'm freezing my tits off here with my tiny little heater. So if I'd yeah. sold out, I've dicked my money up the wall. It's It's... So, so coming back there, you, 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 we're talking about um, talking about fo- blindly following people. Now, <clears throat> I feel like that's one of the massive reasons why we're in this fucking mess, anyway, because we blindly follow the, a government. If it's not a government, it's sort of it's a, likes of David Icke. We blindly follow a researcher. We blindly follow someone else as long as I haven't got to make decisions for myself. Yeah. This seems to be the problem. I think on an individual basis is handing over your sovereignty to someone else to make decisions for you. And if we see the blatant out outpouring of that with the masks, social distancing, just tell me what to do because <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for cocking this up. Yeah, that's exactly what it is in a nutshell, in a nutshell. It's, it's kind of, it's infantilism really, isn't it? I've got mm. a bit of, got a bit of tissue there. It's a lovely smoothie I've been drinking, made by the oft-mentioned future Mrs. Allen. Lovely. Loads of berries in there. I think there's a bit of kale in there. There's a bit of spinach with berries oh, in there. Kale's good. Kale's good. Yeah. Lovely kale. Superfoods. Yeah, we... Infantilism, definitely a big problem. Expecting the other. Again, I mentioned a few weeks back, by all means, get down to London. By all means. Why wouldn't you want to? Stick two fingers up at them. At the government and the chief scientific advisors. Stick two fingers at them. Tell them to fuck right off. If we want to assemble and to talk about these things with these doctors, we will. And I said, but, there's a big but, don't come back satisfied that you met David, that you met Piers Corbin, that you met the doctors. It's not good enough. Got to do more than that. Mm -hmm. And uh, if David Icke was sitting here now, he'd echo that. I'm sure he would. I wouldn't put words in his mouth. But I'm sure he'd say, absolutely. You know, he would have said it at the end of his marathon, 12-hour speaking engagements that I was fortunate enough to see several of them. He would have said the same thing. You've got to take it into the world now, you know, understanding some of this stuff. But we traditionally haven't. We've come back satisfied that we've done our bit, but you haven't. 
Yavin, you went down. That was a very good thing. I'm sure the energy was very good. I'm sure it was very helpful to be surrounded by so many people who, like you, know for a fact that something isn't right. That's good. There's got to be something else after it. Can't go back to Salford. Can't go back to Birmingham. Got to do a bit more than that in your own community. And um, how do you induce that? Excuse me, Richard. I don't know. I really don't, mate. I haven't a Scooby-Doo. I don't think all is lost. I don't, but I, I, I think it's a very difficult thing to do because consumerism reigns. We've become so disconnected as people. You know, consumerism, narcissism. Take your adjective. Take take your take your pick of any of those. The reasons why people have become so separated. Why we don't know our neighbours. Why we don't spend much time in our neighbours' houses. We just don't, Rich. You know that as well as I do. Well, you don't know what's going on. Now, I do. I'm no saint. I do. I know all the people around here. This is a conservatory, by the way. i got people over there. People over there. I won't name them. I'm terrified about people finding out where I live. So <laughs> I won't name them. So, uh, I know just, we, we know these people and we're friendly with them and they've, 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 they've been to visit. That's how it starts. You know, knock on the door of your neighbour. How are you doing, neighbour? We've not really been neighbours, have we? Let's be neighbours. Mm. Let's look out for one another. Let's be there. I grew up in Ballybeg in Waterford City and housing estate full of working class families. When I say the salt of the earth, it's not a cliche, the best people in the world in Ballybeg and Waterford. Proud to be from there. Prairie Lawn was the part of Ballybeg where, where I grew up. Our doors were never locked, Richard. You might remember this yourself. I know yeah. I'm a bit older than you. They weren't locked. No, they weren't. Not at all. And my granddad used to leave the key in his front door. Would you believe that? The key, Richard. Mm. Neighbours would just push the door in and walk in. Yeah. This isn't that long ago, is it? You're only talking about 30-odd years ago. You're only talking 30 years ago. And a neighbour coming to visit wasn't an inconvenience, whereas today it's a massive fucking inconvenience. <laughs> yeah. I've even, I've even found myself, and I've had to stop myself because I know better. I've even heard the bell go some evenings. You know, and I'm like, it's my instinct to car, like, oh, who the fuck is that? <laughs> And I've had to stop myself and say, well, it might be your neighbour. Yeah. If so, fight them in. Yeah. No, and they might need to talk to you. When we're talking about individual... <clears throat> so they go to these rallies, and, and as I say, it's brilliant. Go to these rallies, stick your fingers out, fuck off. Do, but do, yeah. you, you do the small fuck-offs in your life. Don't wear the mask. Fuck off. I'm not social yeah. distancing. Fuck off. Yeah. I'm not going to get on that train and have to explain myself to that person. Fuck off. Absolutely. It's the Absolutely. small fuck offs that make the difference. I think. Of course it is, Richard. Of course it is. And this is what people don't understand. It's not only the small fuck offs. It's the little differences. It's the little differences. You know, when, when we lived in Fallowfield, we lived next door to a 95 year old lady called Dorothy, and uh, not long after, um, just before we moved from Fallowfield to Salford. Dorothy cashed in her chips. She sold up her house and she moved into a really nice uh, nursing home. But um, this is not me bigging myself up now. It is not. I don't want people to think I'm, I'm looking for a pat on the back. But obviously, our car and our time was available to Dorothy 24 fucking 7. That's how it should be, right? Mm -hmm. It's her neighbour. So start by doing the small things. Is there somebody in your neighbourhood who needs a chat, who needs a cup of coffee every now and then, who needs a bit of help with the garden who might need a bit of help with the shopping or just to be listened to for 20 minutes well fucking find that person and go and spend a bit of time with them get off your fucking phone and your stupid fucking tablet get away from it 
and actually spend time with real people. And when it comes to old people, the conversations I used to have standing at the wall with Dorothy about Manchester, about U Tree Road, um, Southern Cemetery down the other end of um, Manchester going south and the people who used to live there and the businesses, I, I, she, she used to regale me. I stand in there for hours. I used to be rushing in to try and get the radio show together. I used to say, I can't fucking, I can't listen anymore. It's brilliant. Could listen to it all day long. Um, and it was uplifting for me that. It was soul enriching to be spending time with somebody who had had such a life and lived and worked, you know. She loved, she'd loved, she'd lost. Husband had died years earlier. So it's all around you. Knowledge, wisdom, love. Get off your phone, get off your tablet and start engaging with the people in your immediate 100 metres square, whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying, Richard? You've got people around you. Find out who they are and get on with them. It's easy to get on with them. You know, we get off there. Sorry, as you're saying then, it's bringing us back round to where we started from. This is exactly the things that they're trying to take away with these lockdowns, with these social distances, with these masks, with these six people in your house. It's my fucking house. You want to pay my mortgage? I'm going to have 30 right. people in my house. If I want 30 people, I'll have people out the chimney if I want to. It's my fucking house. Absolutely. Don't tell me what I, who I can have in my house. So they're taking away everything that you've just mentioned there that we need. They've taken off the plate. and God, I'm not having that. That's what's making us ill, in my opinion. It, it can't be helping, but at the very least. No, is, you're right. This has been done maliciously, concisely, psychopathically, on purpose, and it's been thought about for probably thousands of years, definitely hundreds of years. This is everything you've just said that we need, they're trying to take away from us, and it's everything that's free as well. <laughs> they can't monetize this shit. Yeah. No, no, they can't. Yeah, it's everything good and pure. Everything where everything that connects us as human beings, as spiritual beings, everything. Look, we could we could have, could have spent fifteen minutes talking about the arts. Jesus Christ, hmm. what is a society without art, without theatre, without music? It's the soul of any society. You know, I can't tell you what it does for my mental health to go into Manchester and see a concert. It doesn't have to be a major concert at the arena. It can be anybody. In any, in any venue, what it does for us, that human connection, that human contact, of course they want to break that up and destroy it. And as to the point you made about having people in your home, there is no law that compels you to admit a police officer to your home, none. The only time a police officer can enter your home um, without your consent is if they believe that a crime is being committed on the premises. And having a few people over, whether it's 10 or 15, despite what the government says, it isn't a crime. And even when you invite a police officer into your home, you have the right at any time you want to tell them to piss off. Politely, of course. I've left you in. You've had a look. Sling your oak. It's your house. It's your domain. You're absolutely right. In fact, a former Metropolitan Police detective laid it out to talk radio a couple of weeks back. I grabbed the audio and I used it. What people should know their rights about you know, being at home. Same with bailiffs and stuff. You know, the only time they can come in forcibly is if it's tax, because tax avoidance is a crime. Um, owing money to a company is not a crime. It's a civil matter. So bailiffs can come along all they fucking want and ask you to let them in. No, you're not coming in. Fuck off. And I would suggest to anybody who's got problems with bailiffs now in these times, just make sure your car is parked five streets away. Don't leave anything outside. Um, they, it's been more than two years now 
since, well, more than three years, five years even, they changed the law so that bailiffs are not allowed to enter if they find an open window or an open door. They can't do that. So know your rights. Because a lot of people are broke. By the way, in case anybody wonders, I'm, I'm not being chased by bailiffs. <laughs> I, had a, I had a problem a few years back, which I publicised on the radio show when Manchester City Council said, we underestimated your uh, council tax bill. Mm. In fact, you owe a couple of hundred quid more, and I told them to go and fuck themselves. Yeah. And uh, they sent bailiffs around, but I just made them go away by threatening them. And by telling them they'd never get anything from me, they just went away. So know your rights, particularly, and, and as you said, Richard, particularly around having people over, because Christmas is not far away. They're going to keep this going over the Christmas, these animals. Do you know that? Absolutely, yeah. Of course yeah. they are. He, he said himself yesterday, Han- Hancock, this this carries on until a vaccine can keep us safe. Safe from fucking what? From what? Jesus wept. Nobody's sick. I don't know anybody who's sick. No. Nope, I don't know anybody who's died. It's it's beyond the pale, isn't it? It really, really is beyond the, yeah. beyond the pale, what they're doing. Um, How much do I owe you for this counselling session? <laughs> it's normally, it's normally getting... about 35 quid an hour for, for the counselling. I'm getting more out of this. It's mutually beneficial. I think... <laughs> Two more questions before I let you go. Cheers. Because you've been doing this, this this for a while. Who are these they behind this? Everybody asks this. To me, you're looking at the banking families, the the, the bloodline banking families, and possibly off into the Vatican. That's a, that's yes, that's a conspiracy. City of London, which is Londonia, which was New Troy, which was Rome. They built London as a replica of Rome. All roads lead to Rome. What is your take on after doing this for as long as you have? Who really are we looking at? And how clear do people need to get past the left-right paradigm politicians yeah. before they get anywhere near the dickheads that are really doing this? Brilliant question. The answer is it's going to be very disappointing for you. The answer is I don't know, but, I, but I'll give you another answer. The left-right paradigm, you're absolutely right. I've known for more than 15 years now. Left-right, two sides of the same kind. The establishment presents us every two years, every four years, local national it gives us a set of choices jesus christ wake up people it gives you a set of fucking choices it doesn't care who you pick yeah doesn't matter i mean it's ridiculous so it doesn't matter trump biden doesn't matter two sides of the same kind brilliant rich absolutely so who and what is really behind it i would say to you probably the answer you gave i mean i've read the books we mentioned earlier on uh, David's, uh, Dean uh, Henderson's books are on that subject. I mean, David shoots at all the subjects. And the, um, what was the massive book? It's upstairs. I, I look at it regularly. Uh, the Biggest actually. Secret. No, no. The one he came out with in 2013, just as we were starting The People's Voice. Um, mm. oh, it's Human huge. Race Get Off Your Knees? No. No. If you don't have it, you're going to be proper jealous. It's a massive. <laughs> No, the massive one. Why can't I think of it? Um, oh, anyway, Richard, it'll come to me in a minute. Um, or it's all bollocks is the uh, is the byline. Oh, okay, uh, yep. You know, the one, you know the one I'm talking about? It's I fucking huge. To that point, it was everything you'd ever done condensed into one big huge book. That's it, yeah. yeah. Everything you, know you need to know and... Something like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so, covering everything, all these subjects for years, with the four horsemen being... Henderson nailed the banking cartels. So yes, Richard, absolutely. But what's behind them? You see, I've heard people say Luciferian agendas. We, we, we know what, what David thinks. 
I, that's, I, that's anybody's guess because you can't prove any of that. Mm. And David is well aware of that. You can't prove it. What you can do and what David has done and others before David and since David is they've said, well, look, here is a bunch of things that have happened. Here are a bunch of documents. Here are a bunch of ancient books. Here are hieroglyphics in caves. Here are pyramids, all this stuff. This is why I believe I can make a compelling argument that there is a other dimensional thing to this going on, that there is something um, otherworldly and non-human. I think they make great arguments for those things. And when I was more pally with David, shall we say, people would have said, oh, I bet you he doesn't like it that you just don't go along with this. And I would say, no, it's the opposite, rather. He respects the fact that I say, you've made a really good argument there, mate. But there's no, I've not, there's no definitive proof. You'll have to see this to believe it, Richard. I think. Now, my spiritual friends, my 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 healing friends, they will say, "There's Richie again." Now, you know, this is the problem. You have to have a bit of faith. But I'm not saying I just believe any of it, or that I think it's ridiculous. What what I'm saying is, I would have to see that for myself. I know why people believe that it's a battle between good and evil, on some supernatural level. And Johnson, Whitty, Gates, these people, Rockefeller, Warburg, Oppenheimer, Rothschild, are pawns. Yes, maybe. Jesus Christ, yeah, why not? And, and, and like I said, people have made some very compelling arguments. Sadly, the vast majority of people on planet Earth won't even look at any of that stuff. You know, won't even be, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll check my ego, leave it there. And I'll have a look at it for the crack. Because that's what I did. I did it for the crack. When I started reading David, it was for the crack. Right? <laughs> this guy is fucking mad. I'll have to read one of these books. Well, at least I'll get a good laugh anyway. And I read the book and I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. And being a very good researcher and a good journalist, um, a good producer, I was starting to cross-reference stuff. I was like, oh, fuck, he's not so mad then, is he? Right? Not sure about the Queen as a lizard, but but a lot of this stuff is very good, right? That's where I was. So um, I could never give a definitive answer. What do I think is is driving it? I don't know. But some of the people who I've loved and respected over the years, I mentioned them all earlier, they're convinced of their argument. And it didn't do them any good. These are intelligent men and women. It didn't do them any good in terms of there wasn't really anything in it for them. Mm. other than abuse and ridicule and, and humiliation. So I'm very open-minded, Richard. That's all I can say, mate. Yeah. But there are human entities on planet Earth that are driving it, and they are secret. They are secret societies, whether it's the Masons, whether it's Skull and Bones, whether it's all these think tanks like the Rockefeller Foundation, like like the, like the Round Table groups, which are hugely influential. Because you know yourself, to believe that Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock are making this stuff up. Yeah. It's to be a fucking idiot. They are puppets. They are useful idiots for whatever is really driving it. Compromise, presumably. And I'm not going to talk about sex. It doesn't have to be sex. It doesn't have to be. It can be anything. It can be money. Things, you know, they, these people play a long game. You get 19, 20-year-olds at Eton College. You compromise them. Mm. Yeah. There and then, you start adding little bits of dirt to their... Uh, backstory you make a fucking you know you make a big backstory 
that that could show that these people are evil or or that they are corrupt or maybe it is sex. Then when they start making their way through the ranks of the Conservative Party or the Labour Party, it's like, do you remember in the, do you remember Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? Do you remember when all the dodgy kids won the golden ticket? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Do you, remember, do you remember the dark figure came to each yeah, child and whispered in the child's ear? Do you remember mm. that? That's what happens. Yeah. Something like that. Ah, you've won the golden ticket, Bojo. You're off to Westminster. Now, come here and I tell you the way it's going to go, son. Mm. It's, this is the way it's going to go. We know all about you, Boris. We know all about you. That's how it works. It's as simple as that. You think Donald Trump wasn't on Epstein's Island? You think Donald Trump wasn't on those planes with Bill Clinton? Give me a fucking break, you know? Come on. Wake yeah. up, you know? Of course they are, they're all connected. Biden's brother has a bit of land 10 miles away from Epstein Island. It's yeah. fucking tunnels. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised there's tunnels. They'd fill those tunnels up with concrete. Mate, it's been amazing. I love chatting to you. Um, what <laughs> I would say maybe to end this is that, that the answers that we're coming up for now, the research I think that the likes of David do, Jordan Maxwell do, the, the work that we're doing, the answer isn't for now. The answer is to plant the seed for future generations to solve this shit for themselves. That, that's good. It's that's not very... really for us to stop it now because we're, no. we're not going to be around to see the worst of this. So while it's kind of like we're trying to really keep the information alive so when in 20, 30 years' time, they can answer it. And they go, look, these guys spoke about it years ago. These old yeah. dickheads that were in their conservatories talking about this stuff. They this were the, the guys. Now. The next big battle, excuse me, is to be able to stay online. Yeah, because. Absolutely. The, the the next big thing in the next couple of years is to get rid of independent content creators to get them yes. offline and and if you get them offline and of course if you're banning people from assembling and you're banning people from giving talks in theaters mm. well then that would finish me for example i mean if 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 my servers i don't have servers but if my hosting company that hosts the live stream for the radio show if they were told you can't do business with him anymore and everybody else was i'm fucked that's it i'm off i'm gone and I'm not looking to, to, to create any, I'm not trying to, to, to be sensationalist at the end of this conversation, but this is coming. It is. And uh, I know it's coming. I have mates who work at the BBC, who work in compliance with Ofcom. They've been telling me for a long time. In fact, I thought it would have happened sooner. But they're saying, guys like you, Richie, doing the live show every day, they won't tolerate that in the future. It doesn't matter whether you have five listeners or 5,000 or 20,000 or a million. It doesn't matter. They won't tolerate it. It'd be like, that's not, we're not having that because here are the truths. Here are the absolute truths about everything, about climate change, about everything. Can't have people going online, some fucking reckless um, mavericks going online saying that we're liars. We can't have that. Hmm. Or, or, or interviewing people who say we're liars. So the next big fight is, can we stay? And I want to very clearly say to anybody watching this who might be a listener to my radio show, that's not in any way an attempt to solicit funds. Forget about it. It's not about funds. Forget about it. Got nothing to do with that. The show wipes its face. It does well. We, 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 have, we have a lot of help, the, the radio show. We do well. We get on air, pay the bills every month. There's a little bit left over for me. I don't need much. So that's okay. It's not about money. It's about them saying, um, first of all, you need a license to do what you're doing. And that's when it'll all kick off. Because hmm. once you submit to the licensing system... You are then, of course, submitting to the to the um, regulation. So they might say, "Oh, you you swore the other night when you interviewed somebody." That's a warning, mm. right? Richard Willett said something the other night, and you didn't challenge him. Well, 
That's because it's an irrefutable truth. We, we know that to be true. We've, we've moved on from that. Well, who says it's true? Strike two. That's a fine. Strike three, you're off the air. Yeah. What you're That's talking about there is I don't, we're not going to have a health passport. We're going to have p- compliance passports. Yeah, yeah. These are going to be compliance. Every single thing is going to be how compliant are you to the one official narrative? How and good if are you're you? not, how yeah. good boy will you be? Because you'll get your pocket money, which will be your Bitcoin yeah. or your cryptocurrency and your social credit score on your national yeah. health and your compliance passport. These are not health passports, compliance passport. And what you're talking about there is that if you don't comply, you don't buy, you don't spend, you don't live. And this is coming in the next couple of years. It's yeah, not yeah, so social, don't see social credit as social credit, it's compliance. It's Gates pocket money. To, it is. Gates was asked on Meet the Press the other night, what would he do about social media? And he wouldn't really go there, other than to say that something needs to be done. And he, he, and he mentioned the social... Why can I never remember the name of this documentary on Netflix? The social... Uh, probably is it the social... Oh, be Jesus, what's going on, eh? Documentary about social media, anyway, on, I know what on you mean. Netflix. Yeah. Which starts off very well, because it brilliantly demonstrates how they manipulate people into thinking what they want them to think. But it ends very badly because in the end they say that we have to accept, we have to agree on certain truths. So they start off very well, yeah. and then they, and the end, well, we do need some censorship, which is a which is a pain in the arse. But yeah, Gates did say, yeah, we need to do something, and by something, I suppose it'll be again along the lines of you will be punished for pushing narratives deemed to be harmful. We have accepted, we have decided that vaccines are a brilliant and wonderful addition to the human experience. And that we should have them. And we should have them when the state says so. That's the new truth. You can't be going on the fucking radio and saying that that's bullshit or bringing on some doctor. We can't have that. So we will stop you doing it. Yeah, yeah. What you said there with Netflix, uh, there's a little bit of caveat just before we end. Netflix, I found out yesterday... Um, Netflix CEO, one of the co-creators, is the great-grandson, or his great-uncle, is both of them, Sigmund Freud and... Um, Wait, so um, is, that right? is it Edward Bernays, the other guy? Edward Bernays, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yep, so both his, grand, his great-uncles are Sigmund Freud and Edward Bernays. So, I mean, I love Netflix, don't get me wrong, it's brilliant. If you watch Netflix for what it is and understand that you're being mind-controlled, you just watch it. It's, yeah, the trick yeah. is done if you know it's a trick. But yeah. be aware that these people have, in ways, that's how Netflix became Netflix, because the CEO, is, his great uncles were Sigmund Freud and Edward Bernays, and you can check that and, out. And, and Netflix keeps coming up when, when, when the World Economic Forum is mentioned, Netflix comes up. Absolutely. It's involved, Netflix, isn't it? It's involved in this great reset, this great fourth industrial revolution. So, yeah, look, you just keep fighting, Richard. That's what you do. You keep making your shows. You make your documentaries. I go on the radio every day and listen to some interesting people. And basically one day bleeds into the next. And before you know it, you're at the weekend and you start all over again. And you do feel, though, that you're inching closer and closer to some sort of a day of reckoning. Mm. You know, I, I see it as money in the bank, Rich. I see it as money in the bank for 20 years time for the kids down the future. Get this off the Internet. Bury hard drives yeah. in the woods, for fuck's sake. Do something. Yeah. But it's not for us. This is for without sounding really pompous, but it is, I've just had a little boy who's only four months old, and it's, this is for them to go, yeah. mum and dad tried. What did they... Dad did something. Yeah. And, and that's R- Russell really Crowe, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Exactly. That's right. 
Oh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, of course, you will see things differently to me because you have a young child. We haven't um, been blessed with children. Um, maybe. Maybe that's in our future. Hopefully. Maybe it isn't. We'll deal with it whatever way. But I think, yeah, I think I'd be thinking along those lines if, if I were you. In 20 years' time, I'll be 65. I'm six and a half foot tall. I weigh 13 and a half stone. I'm unbelievably fit. I'm convinced I'm going to die on the road running. That's how I'm going to go. And that'll do me, to be honest. But not just yet. Give me a few more years yet. But uh, that'll be a, a way to go. Just about breaking my record. Oh, mine, I'm, I'm going to get hit by something re- like an ice cream van. Something really <laughs> fucking stupid. Mate, it's been absolutely amazing. Tell Good people where they can find your, sh- your show and your work. And um, yeah. I'll put the links below. Thanks, mate. My, my website's an embarrassment because um, it's, not, uh, it's, it's not up to date. There's a new one about to be dropped, launched even, real soon. It's called richieallen.co.uk. That's the website, richieallen, without a T, .co.uk. And uh, it's on TuneIn all the time. So as long as I'm streaming it, it's on TuneIn. So the TuneIn app, a lot of people have the TuneIn app. Fab Radio 2 in Manchester and Trigger Warner are lots of different bloody places. But as, as we all are, it's all on iTunes and Spotify and, mm-hmm. and Podomatic. Live show Monday to Thursday and Sundays. Monday to Thursday, 5 o'clock UK time. You'll always hear something interesting on it. The people who come on it are very interesting, as you well know. You've been on it yourself. And uh, it's genuinely uncensored conversations with people who are saying things that are very interesting, but they wouldn't be allowed to say them anywhere else, or at least not in the mainstream media. And that's about it for, for, for my show. Well, thanks for inviting me on, Rich. I don't get that to do anything because I'm a big, contrary, curmudgeonly, ignorant, baldy gammon. People don't like me. No, no, I love having you on. People speak massively highly of you in, in what we do, mate. And you're the, your show is the only proper radio show that does this. The, what we're doing here is a podcast. It's not a proper radio show. It's not a proper show in a sense. It's an interview. It'd be part of a show. This is YouTube interview stuff. What Richie does is a proper radio show. So, guys, it's the only proper radio show that I know of that deals with these subjects and has an alternative view on them. Yeah, and you should be praised for that. It's, it's hard work, mate, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, well, no, it's horrendously hard work. Yeah. Jesus wept. I mean, uh, it's horrendously hard work, especially without a producer, without an editor. It's just me doing it. But yeah, but even, you know, two or three days a week, I'm surprised that nobody has taken up the mantle. Because what I wanted to do when, when, when I did it was, I was hoping that one or two more would pop up. You know, men and women doing live stuff, with, you know, with, with the proper sweeps and mm. jingles and everything. And do it all bells and whistles, as, as I did. But, uh, yeah, it is just me, yeah. So it's the only one who's lost the best, the fucking only one. <laughs> Still, what, the, <laughs> in the land of the Give blind, the one-eyed man is king, so it's fine. It's, uh, I would love to do it. I worked in radio for a little while, got out of it, because I realised I was literally just watching the clock go round and trying to fit the adverts in before the news came in. Hated it. But um, I'd love to do it. The only radio show that you'll hear this stuff on, a proper radio show, is richieallen.co.uk, um, and it's Monday to Thursday, Five to seven, I believe. So go, seven. go yeah, and check out on Sunday. Sunday View, the Sunday newspapers. Brilliant show, um, guys. And you will hear from the likes of Simon Dolan um, and all these alternative opinions that you won't get elsewhere. And Richie actually challenges them, which is fantastic as well. So, guys, go and head over to richieallen.co.uk. Check out his show. Appreciate your time, mate. And I'd love to do this again soon as, as you have time. Anytime you want, Richard. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy.
glitching the code.